And incidentally, we'd appreciate its return, along with all your other equipment. Intact for once when you return from the field. Oh, you'd be surprised the amount of wear and tear that goes on out there in the field. Anything else? Well, I won't keep it for more than an hour or so, if you give me your undivided attention. We've installed some rather interesting modifications. You see this arm here? Now open the top and inside are your defense mechanism controls. Smoke screen, oil slick, rear bulletproof screen, and left and right front wing machine guns. Now this one I'm particularly keen about. You see the gear lever here? Now if you take the top off, you'll find a little red button. Whatever you do, don't touch it. No, why not? Because you'll release this section of the roof and engage and fire the passenger ejector seat. Ejector seat? You're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. Good evening, everyone. My name is Dave Juskow, and this is The Nightfly. everybody and welcome once again that was our pre-credit sequence and then the title sequence uh from uh, james body you live twice because uh listen that song's been going through my head for months 
and I thought I'd stick with you with, you with it too. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, now you're screwed. Of course, no one else will remember it again. But for me, you know, it's an issue. Obviously, as you know, I've ever since I've been the last two months, just bond, bond, bond. And then when I hear there's going to be a female James Bond, I take umbrage to that. You know, being me too in this uh, day and age uh, does not set a pretty picture for Dave Jessica, who's always been a, uh, a, a supportive of, of women's rights and, and such as things like that, and gets very mad at organized religion, which is uh, clearly meant to keep women down. The Jewish religion, obviously, the Catholic Church, obviously meant, let alone the Muslims, to keep women as second-class citizens. I disagree with all of that. But if you're going to take the one thing we have left, which is James Bond away, well, I'm going to get pissed. Now, I know now that that is not the case, but on Monday it was announced that this uh, very unattractive Lashana Lynch was going to play the new 007. Now, it's all a ruse and a trick and some sort of thing to, you know, get some Bond stuff talking. I mean, she's really unattractive. It's not that, that you know, let alone it's a woman. It's just, yipes. Um, but, and, 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 you know, it's not, it's not the case. Everybody got in an uproar on Monday because this uh, woman, they were say she's going to be the new double. But what it is is in the new premise that Bond is retired when we start and then this woman is the new 007. Well, I know they'll work it out and everything will be fine. But, you know, seriously, get your own franchise. Get your own franchise. You have Atomic Blonde. Uh, Jennifer Garner's doing something. Those girls are all terrific. We've spoken about how badass Sigourney Weaver was with aliens and that. Fr- Get your own franchise. James Bond is for us, the men, the men who have very little left in this world. Please leave us James Bond. Please. I beg of you. Oh, my God. Do you know that they're not even allowed to use the word Bond girl on the set anymore? It has come to this. Oh, don't say that. Don't say don't say Bond girl. That's horrible. Well, let me tell you something about Bond girls. Now, as far as Bond girls go, yes, well, many many of them have been bimbos. That's true. But then there's been other ones who are just as cool as James Bond, you know, or uh, like from Moonraker, Lois Childs played a, 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 what, an astronomical, what was she? A, I don't know. She was a CIA, but she was also an astrophysicist. And uh, besides the lapse in judgment of Denise Richards, who I actually think is the hottest Bond girl, um, playing a, some sort of, you know, nuclear physicist and the world is not enough. That didn't make any sense. Uh, but, of course, then you have Barbara Bach and the Spy Who Loved Me who played an equal spy to James Bond. And, of course, the best example of a Bond girl, sorry of the term, is uh, Ava Green in uh, Casino Royale, who was the most multi-layered Bond woman ever in the history of Bond girls, but Bond girl is a term, and I get that we can't use it anymore. My God, come on, man. Can't we just leave that to be the most sexist of all things and everything else can change? Can we change the other stuff? God damn it, I love James Bond. I've been watching it all the time, and then you got to ruin that. That's all I have. Ever since I got fired, all I do is watch James Bond every day. It's on, what is it, the Stars Network. There's a James Bond movie on every day. From John Connery, from Dr. No to Die Another Day. That's all they've had on. No, you know, nonstop. None of the Daniel Craig stuff. But 
what does that leave us? Like, you know, 20 films pretty much. And and I watch one every day no matter what's on. And 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 to hear this on the time when James Bond is the most important thing in my life again because it makes me happy to hear that you're going to make it a woman after I've been me tooed. Well, I just hit the roof. I couldn't I was almost in tears. I'm telling you it was that bad. I didn't know how to strike out until I read more about it and I found out what their plan is. And I guess it's an okay plan, but you couldn't make her a 006, 008. I mean, I read the books. I go I go to the movies. Those are the only things I go to see the movies anymore. And I've watched everyone. I know all the lines. It's just it's like, you know, there's one last thing left. They got to fuck with that. And there's a woman, you know, who's in charge of Bonds ever since her father died, Barbara Broccoli, and she's been making him so good. Yeah, I guess he's a little sexist, but that's the way the books have been written. But we saw what could happen if he meets the right girl in Casino Royale. And, of course, that all went out the window in the next two. But, you know... That's that's all we had, and I. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. Uh, I'm upset about it. And fight, you thank God there was, you know, there's a couple of guys. Who, you know, I, I didn't want to put anything online. I was so terrified. But Russ Manib put something on Facebook. He's like, "Come on, give us this," and I was just like, "Yeah, you go, girl," because ah, uh, just you know, get your own franchise. That that's. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just like worship James Bond and it has to be a man. It has to be. I like other movies where women kick ass, but this is this is a boy's thing. We got to have something left. So frustrating. <sighs> well, here we are, the Nightfly. And um, July 23rd, Dory's birthday. What an asshole Dory is, my niece. My God, you can't get anything. What are you doing for your birthday? <laughs> then you ask her, she starts getting angry. You know, you just want to do the right thing. They're like, well, I'll come celebrate with you if you want. I mean, even if she says like, no, I'm celebrating with my friends. But she doesn't even say that. You know, I could totally understand. Why would a 22 or 23 or whatever the hell she's going to be, your old want to spend time, you know, with her uncle. I get that. But, just, but, you know, I'm just there in case because she doesn't have any friends in case you want to. But I'll tell you something. Let me tell you something about Liza, the good one. This kid is the greatest niece of all time. On Saturday, just before I was about to go on stage at the Borgata Hotel in Atlantic City, I got a call. No, I've been calling my mother every day ever since I got fired because now I can be more proactive in her life. And I have time to call every day. When I was at work, I didn't have time, and I've been calling. You know, I haven't been going over there because I've been busy practicing. But I've been calling a lot more. If it's not every day, it's certainly every other day, and many times it's every day. And during the run of the show, I called her every week. I called, you know, on the on the tour, I called her on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, about five o'clock, just before I'm about to go on the shows at seven. She tells me in this heat wave, she has been living without air conditioning for the past four days. Never did I hear any of this every time I talked to her. And I mean, this woman loves to complain about everything because you know. I am her son, and never did I hear a damn thing about it until Saturday. 
Oh, my God. That stupid Amazon thing went off again. I thought I always unplug everything beforehand. Shut up. Anyway, where was I? It's always listening. Uh, the air conditioning wasn't working, right? So I'm like, are you kidding? You can't live. She's like, oh, it's fine. I didn't want to bother you. You know, it, I mean, it's like something right out of a, a comedy routine with a Jewish mother. I mean, it's like a joke. It's like movies and TV have depicted this. Like Larry David's depicted it. Hundred. Ah, she, we didn't want to bother you with your mother's funeral. You know, we knew you were busy. I mean, it's the exact same thing. It's so Jewy and so funny that it's real. She's been living in this heat. For not, you know, she won't go over her next door neighbor's house because she's not Jewish. Are you kidding me? Even at that point, she finally went over there, but you know, she won't stay there. She's got a woman. This woman would totally let her in with open arms. It's her lovely next door neighbor. Uh, by the way, I keep. I my friend told me I say the word "lovely" too much. It's my new word. I've been saying it a lot. I'll try and get out of that. Uh, but she anyway. The point being, I called Beth. She's not home. I called that idiot Dory. She does. You're not going to get any answer from her. I say, let me call the one person I know who will answer the phone if she's not working, Liza. I called her. She goes, well, that's unacceptable. I'll go get her and bring her here. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank you so much, Liza, for handling this situation like an adult. I got to tell you, I don't even know whether I'd be that cool if I was her age. If my grand- I mean, Yeah, I think I would. She goes, I'll just go get her and I'll bring her here because she's got to stay at my sister's. Meanwhile, it's just, oh, we can't take her. We're full here. She hates it here. I mean, it's true, but I mean, come on. She can't stay at that house with no air conditioning. It was 110 degrees yesterday. I saw it. It, was, it feels like 111 at the shore yesterday. So thank God for this kid, Liza. And then I found out that Dory, Liza is taking Dory out for her birthday. She's letting her hang out with her friends for her birthday. So do you love this kid? Liza? She's, it, it's like, I always keep thinking because she's smart, like she's up to something and she's planning something big, but I guess that's not it. She does care, I guess. I fed him on her $100. As soon as she did it, I couldn't, I, I was just like, she goes, that's too much. I'm like, no, 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 you, it's not enough for what you're doing. You're going down there to get Grammy and then bring her back home, please. That's a, you just, cleared my head so I can, you know, perform and not worry. I mean, there was nothing I could do at that time. On a Saturday, she's like, well, I called the guy, and they never called back. And I'm like, well, why am I hearing this at 5 o'clock on a Saturday? So thank God for Liza. Dory sucks. Billy sucks. Liza's awesome. There it is. Although, comically, my sister did write back, um... When I texted my mom on Sunday morning, you know, are you okay? She wrote back, I hate it here and it smells. Um, But then I realized that was definitely my sister writing back on my mother's phone and that was hilarious. I don't think, I didn't set up any liquid for me to drink while I was here. Probably should have done that because we have a lot to discuss today, obviously. A lot to discuss. I'm back at home. It's Monday. I'm filming very late, taping very late. Show comes out on Tuesday, the 23rd. I think at what time is it? Six, six forty already. I woke up at 11, planning to do this podcast way earlier, and I just kept going. I was like, I'm tired. Because I did have a busy week. I mean, for me, it was a very busy week, and I just wanted to hang out today, and tomorrow we'll start everything over again. But let's just go over the week one by one, and I guess we'll get to the excitement at the end of the week. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know what? Uh, I'm going to pause for a little bit, get a cup of water, okay? Be right back. (laughs) 
we're back. <laughs> I've been yelling at people on the phone all day, uh, so my voice is a little bit weird. Anyway, let's just start with where we left off on Saturday. On Saturday, you know, I performed every day this week except for Tuesday. So on Saturday night, I went to the New York Comedy Club. I did my set. It went very good. I was very pleased, feeling good. Then Audrey's brother came out to meet me because, you know, he's starting at this new agency and we wanted to talk about stuff. But, you know, I didn't want to meet him out drinking because I think he, we, you know, he gets a little drunk. He's also from out of town. He doesn't know how New York works. He's like 24, 25. He's like seven feet tall. So my neck was starting to hurt after I was talking to him. And we go to the bar. We start to hang out a little bit. And he doesn't understand, like, there's a guy that um, is always with us, and that guy's, like, so drunk all the time. He blacks out drunk, and he's still talking to him. He's like, hey, are you? I'm like, no, no, don't talk to me. He's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. He's, like, doing all these things that are annoying me because he just doesn't know how it works. It's not his fault or anything. He's a nice kid from out of town, you know, like he's from wherever, the West Coast. So, so he doesn't understand some of the ways New York works, which was kind of funny because then we went to another bar. We went to this Molly's Tavern, this legendary place on 3rd Street, 3rd Avenue in 22nd Street, they are post, you know, they have good burgers there and stuff. They're legendary plays, sawdust on the floor. Been around for years. I said, let's go there. So we went there for a couple of drinks and some food. I I think what did I have? A shepherd's pie. It was delicious. Anyway, there was some he so there was a seat at the bar is another thing. And he asked the guy to move over, but I and but he touched the guy and said, Hey buddy, do you mind moving over? I said, That's not the way it works here. Don't touch anybody. You talk to the bartender, see if he can make that happen. Or, you know, ask the guy politely, do not touch anyone. I had to tell him this. You believe this? He doesn't understand. I don't know where he's coming from, but yeah, don't touch anybody while they're eating. So then we had two seats. And it's funny because he has a, a, a roommate, this girl who came down and met us. And she was explaining, yeah, I have to tell him these things too. So it wasn't just me. Like I wasn't being like an old man or a dick or anything. He, he was doing stuff that's, a little out of line in Manhattan, and he wasn't paying attention to what was going on, which was annoying because he was being a millennial. I guess he was on his phone doing something, and this guy sitting next to me was so wasted, he started drinking my beer. I had a pint of beer in front of me. The kid was drinking. He was so messed up. Now, thank God the bartender saw him, and he was like, he cut the guy off, kicked him out, and gave me new beer because I don't even know how I would have explained that the guy, I mean, I saw the guy pick up the beer. I'm like, what are you doing? The f- Who the fuck is this guy? He, he, I'm like, the guy was so wasted. He left. And then later, like 20 minutes later, he came back. And the guy said, get out. But thank God the bartender saw it. And it was cool. He gave me a whole fresh beer and everything. It was so weird. And the guy I'm sitting next to, Audrey's brother, he misses the entire thing. It must have been three, four minutes that where it happened where it was exciting, you know, this guy kicked this guy out, then me and the other guy were talking like we couldn't believe it, talking to the bartender, and he, he misses the whole thing. He's like, what happened? I'm like, oh, forget it, Jesus Christ. We're sitting right next to you the whole time. You missed the most exciting thing that happens at the bar the whole day because you're on your phone, dummy? It was so frustrating, you know? It's frustrating. So he was too hammered. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. You're annoying. So he went out with his... uh roommate or whatever i think i i feel like he lives with the i think he lives with three girls like in love actually you know i think he came to town not knowing what he was doing and he lives with these three girls i've seen some pictures they're very pretty 
and he just lives like naively with these three other girls and I don't know what the story is but it is kind of funny because he's he's very good looking you know and tall but he is he's not like Audrey Audrey clearly is the the smart one and uh it's just really funny um seeing the two siblings in action like that. Whereas me and my sister, we're exactly the same. We're idiots. Uh, and there's there's no juxtaposition between the two, as are her kids. You're welcome. Thank you very much. On uh, Sunday, the same thing happened again. I went to the, I went to the club, and the guy who books the New York Comedy Club said I could get 10 minutes. I said, can I get 10 minutes on Sunday? I want to run my set. Remember, I got to do 15 minutes. 15 for sure. I thought maybe it would be less. Sarah wanted 15 minutes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I said, can I just run 10? And uh, unfortunately, they overbooked, and I wasn't allowed to, so I did seven. Uh, But it went well again, and I met this girl who's trying to do comedy. Her name is Renee something or other. I can't remember her last name. Very pretty, very young. And she's like, this is my third time on stage. Every time she goes on, she kills. Then we realized why. She bought the entire crowd. She keeps bringing like her mother, her friends, her mother's friends. Because we're trying to figure out how can this girl go on stage twice and do this well. And then we realize her, she had all these people coming all the time. It was really funny. It's very nice, but she's like an actress and she was in all this stuff. And um, we were like looking her up. And then we realized she is in. She's in The Comedian with Robert De Niro. We look her up. She has a huge scene with Robert De Niro. In the comedian, it's true, but the other stuff is all nonsense. But I guess she comes from money and, you know, she doesn't have to worry about anything and lives in, you know, this privileged world, I guess. Still very nice. And, uh, you know, I don't know what her plan is for comedy, but I guess you can get more, you know, I've always said you can get more acting work if people come see you do comedy. It's a thing. It's a smart move by her. But it was fun, you know, after we go talk with her and I met this kid, Elon Altman. A little kid, nice guy, comedian, and it's just one of those kids you get a feeling for that he's going to do really well. He's going to be good. You know, like kind of like Mark Norman in that size range. You know, he's like tiny. Not tiny, you know, he's just, he's a short Jewish kid. But he's handsome. He's already married. But his material, I'd never seen him perform. He just seems like a nice guy. And then I, so Sunday I finally saw him perform, right, because I had met him a couple times. And then on Sunday, I finally stayed to see his set, and, he, and he's great, and he's a really good writer, and he's really smart, and I'm going to have him on my show on August 5th. I said, I want to I put you on the show. I, I, think, I think I can recommend this guy at the cellar to go on because I, I really think he has a chance. Uh, he's a good kid, and I like him, and, I, and he's like, you know, I can help you with some of your bits if you want. Not like he was just like, your bits stink. I, can, I was like saying, I, I don't have him flushed out. He's like, I can help you. I sent it to him. His stuff was great. He, like, really knows how to write. He goes, no, it's my favorite thing to do, and that's the stuff I always have trouble with. So he, he helped me with two of the bits, which I just wasn't ready for, but I did use some of the lines uh, the next day. Elon Altman, great guy. And it's just I was talking to him during the next couple of days. I was just like, you know, it's sometimes you meet people. Like I said, I didn't see your set. Kind of all goes the same way. I didn't see your set first. But, you know, you can tell when somebody is there for the duration. Like they're going to make it. They're really trying and they're going to be good or they are good already. And people that are just there, you know, for a period of time, like this girl Renee, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. I, you can see she's not going to 
go the distance in a stand-up comedy world. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other idiots, you know. But this guy and all guy think, you know, I think they're going to make it, you know. And that's what he's saying. It's kind of interesting doing this all over again after all these years because, I, you know, it's very easy to rethink from 30 years ago when I met Sarah and I met Dave and I, you know, John Stewart and Louie and the fact that we all used to hang out together. Yeah, why would we hang out together? Why are the, you know, don't, I'm not counting myself in the thing, but why are we all hanging out together? Why are the best people hanging out? Like why would me and Sarah and Dave and Louie and I'm, I'm, I'm missing people all hang out together because we, you know, the, the people that are the best hang out with the best they because they're real comics or they're really funny or there's a thing about them because you don't end up you know you end up just leaving behind the people that aren't either taking it serious or or suck and these are the friends you have forever the ones that you know make it and stay in the business now it's odd that i'm friends with them because i didn't really stay in the business but there was you know there are things about me that are were good enough to hang out with that crowd you know i think it's all where they're like if he puts his mind to it he could be like us but he chooses not to so you know i I think that's the the thing because i would say why would they hang out with me because we were trying to get rid of people like that but they knew when i was on stage i was as good as anybody just didn't have the staying power because i hated the genre of stand-up comedy it wasn't for me but uh now i'm very much enjoying doing it and it's been a lot of fun and it's been fun like you know leading up to the uh moment of this week anyway so august 5th as you know at the comedy cellar the dave just Gale birthday show david tell gilbert godfrey gary goldman lenny marcus yamanika sanders and now elon Ullman. yes is, is it a packed thing yeah it is but who cares also um matt richards from hq i think we're gonna do some Birthday trivia, I'll just put everybody in 10 minutes. Sure, I got to pay out the money, but who cares? It's totally worth the birthday show. The more, the merrier. The more, the merrier. Let's just have comics galore. I don't got to prepare anything. We just all have a good time. I like to have a good time all the time. Now, on Monday, I go to the the comic strip, you know, where I always have a bad set. Uh, But this time... Uh, it went okay. It it, it didn't start off good because I went up like, I think I went up first, maybe second. Uh, it didn't start off good. Oh, that's right, because the guy before me was doing all new material and he bombed. So it took me a while to get to where I needed to go. But by the end, I was killing. It was great. It's exactly the way you want to go. The club, I can't, you know, I can't break. I broke. Finally, at the last, you know, like four minutes of my act, and, you know, the other comics were there to see it. So they're like, all right, I get it now. He's going to be okay. And so then me and Algo. So so here's funny. So Algo's been listening to the to the podcast, and she got really pissed. And the night after the Seaport, she, or the night before, she texted and she goes, look, I didn't want to do this before your shows, but uh, go fuck yourself. I've been listening to your podcast. You're a bag of shit. And I get that. I get you know, listen, if I'm going to put it out there, I'm going to say names. I deserve all of that. We've been over this a hundred times. Girls I want to go out with, I'm like, well, I listen to your podcast. And um, <laughs> he kind of said some real nasty things. So you got to expect it. You got to go with the flow and you got to take the hits. 
And then, uh, you know, I explained to him, I'm like, no, but I retracted it last week because I was even with uh, Dave Elliott yesterday. And he goes, no, but you retracted it. But maybe she didn't hear that part or something about, you know, her taking her shoes off. I mean, this is the story I heard. The more I talked to her, I think maybe it didn't happen. But the funny thing is, this one waitress at the club can't stand her. Just, you know, I don't know, it's just a thing. This waitress is crazy. I'm going to have to have a talk with her and tell her to relax a little bit with this poor girl. Um, but the funny thing is, so I don't want, I'm trying not to drink, right? I'm trying not to drink. Oh my God, I was drinking Monday. You know, I drank Saturday, Sunday. I was trying not to drink Monday. Uh, after the show, it's just so easy to grab a beer with everybody, right? I mean, it's the best time. But I'm just trying to keep it down because, you know, I had these shows coming up. So Olga goes, you want to get sushi after? I'm like, oh my God, that would be perfect. That'd be perfect. Let's do that. So we did that instead of drinking, thank God. And, uh, you know, just kept it mellow. And then she goes, I have a midnight spot at the Grizzly Pear, which is all the way down on Thursday. We're up in the 80s on the east side. So she goes down there and she said, God damn it, that girl, that waitress is here. Remember, she's, she works at the comedy center. She's not at, doesn't work at this bar, but she's hanging out at this other bar. It's like, oh, I can't get away with it. It's like, it's a magnet. And she's already giving me shit. And then I found out it was that girl's birthday. She's just getting bad luck. Now, that's not Olga's fault that this girl is here and harassing her. I felt bad. I was just like, oh, don't go. I mean, that, that is just bad luck on you. I'm so sorry that that happened. I mean, this poor girl is really, you know, whatever happened between those two, it, let it go. But this girl is being relentless now i feel just bad for all i mean i really do i you know she is a nice person and doesn't deserve that kind of treatment from this girl it's also funny that she just keeps running into this girl who hates her even if she's not going to that club you know just bad luck it turned out it was her birthday i looked it up on facebook i was just seeing oh my god it's her birthday today that's why she's hanging out because why would you go to even near your job on your birthday if you're close you know like why nobody wants to go to their job to party but she's still in the same vicinity i'm like why would she come all the way to her neighbor again and it was her birthday i guess those are her friends she wants to party with but uh oh my god that was uh hilarious stuff but uh hopefully we're okay and if we're not well what are you gonna do it's all my fault now tuesday of course oh so i'm up all night monday i don't know why I might have even had a coffee. I don't know. I just felt like staying up all night. No, that wasn't it. I don't know. I was up all night, and Sarah and I were talking at around midnight. She was just getting on a plane, and we were talking. And she was getting on the plane to come here, and I said, oh, that that was Monday night. Yeah, Monday night, right. And I said, Tuesday, I said, do you want to have breakfast? She's taking the red eye. You want to have breakfast? So she goes, okay. And so then I was pretty much up all night because I was afraid I was going to miss it. Like, you know, text me when you get off. She got off at like 7 o'clock. So we actually met at 9 o'clock at her hotel, and we had breakfast, and uh, we just had, like, the best time. You know, it was so great. We were just hanging around. We went to this really great breakfast place on, like, just a random Tuesday morning. I tell you, this not working thing. It's fantastic. And we just met and hung out and laughed and, you know, we're excited about the week and everything. It was, It was really super fun, and then I walked back home, and, and then I was setting up. And then I, you know, I was mad that she was in town Tuesday because I had to go see ELO on Tuesday. So she's like, I'm trying to get some spots in the cellar. So I, right. So on Tuesday, I called everybody. I called Emilio and I said, why don't we go to the spots? 
right at the New York Comedy Club, but Amelia will put us on. I'll get us some spots there. I'll, I'll call the, and she called the seller, and then I found out that the seller had the TV. Like she wasn't getting a call back. I'm like, let me find out what's happening over there. And I found out they were having the TV shows. I called her, and then I was talking to Lit. Like I was trying to organize her spots, not on purpose. It just fell into my lap because people are afraid to talk to her. So I was trying to organize everything while I was going to my car to go to the ELO concert, and I had it pretty much figured out. And I said, oh, you have a spot Wednesday at the cellar. They just told me. They told me to tell you. And Amelia says we can have spots on Wednesday. And I'm like, this is perfect. I set everything up for tomorrow. Um, you know, I figure maybe maybe she's going to go to the cellar on her own tonight, but no big deal. We go to ELO, and the first picture I get is she's at the New York Comedy Club. And Amelia says, hey, look who showed up. I'm like, what? She showed up without me? It like ruined my night pretty much. I'm like, I thought we were gonna go in together because I mean that would that's a big deal for me too. That Amelia, if I bring her in, if she goes on her own, I got nothing to give anybody. You know, it's like Amelia's been very nice to me. He's the owner of the New York Comedy Club. If I bring in Sarah, then it's like I've done this thing where I can thank him for giving me all these spots and stuff. And then, but then she goes on her own. So that's this is what's going through my head. It's probably it's not a big deal, but it like definitely ruined the concert for me when I saw the picture. I was like really upset. I thought we were gonna do all this tomorrow. I'm like, ah, this blows. Meanwhile, the ELO concert sucked. This Jeff Lynn is an idiot. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's so stupid. I didn't care for our seats. They were all the way back. But then Steve pointed out like, well, you know, we got we had the best seats in the sense we had the whole show because it's a laser show and a light show. And in that sense, it was good. But the song, the set list sucked. It sucked. I mean, you really had to be an ELO fan to like it, and I guess I'm not that big of a fan. I mean, they're playing all that shit I don't care for, you know, don't get me down, an evil woman, all that crap. I just don't give a shit. I want the electric cars-like songs that I like, which they played none of, which I had to go to the bar after to get my fix of the songs that I like for ELO. And I understand, I understand, you know, that nobody likes the stuff they put out in the eighties, but I do. And I wanted to hear songs like this one. They were playing this at the bar after, which is always the better time, apparently, than all the concerts I've seen. So I guess I'm not a real fan of anybody, because I don't like any of the songs they play. And why would they play this song? It's a stupid song. But unfortunately, Dave Juskow likes this song, because it came out in 1983, when Dave Juskow started listening to music. So what are you going to do? Bop, 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 bop. Sounds like Caddyshack. No, it's a combination of Caddyshack and Holiday Road from Vacation. 
stupid song. I know it. He knows it. Everyone knows it. But that's what I wanted to hear, let alone that I wanted to hear the one from the album previous to that, which is this one, because it means a lot to me. I don't know why. This is when I first understood ELO. This is when I first heard of them. I don't. I can't tell you why I like it. Came out when I was in high school. It's I had an AM radio, and they would play this song, and it moves, and it's stupid, and I enjoyed it. Go fuck yourself, Jeff Lynn. You wrote it. Suck it up. I like when he gets to the chorus. He's got the keyboards. I like the piano. I like when you get when you get to wait coming up. I like that part. I didn't care for this part too much. It's in another language. What an asshole. Did he just call me a twat? Listen, when you get your first car and it only has, you know, it's not like today, you rotten kids that can't understand that you can only listen to the only song that's playing and they play something like this. It was very exciting. It was a good driving tune. I was working at the Rustler Steakhouse and when that song was coming on, we, we had some sort of drag race on the streets. I met these kids. They were tough kids. You know, we were all the same age. And these kids were tough, and, and I felt like a, like a human being, not like the theater fags I was hanging out with. Yeah, I used the word that word, I'm sorry. But I was hanging out with these kids, so finally I met some other kids that were cool and normal kids. And if I, maybe I was f- more friendly with these kids, I could have had a normal high school experience. And we'd hang out, and there was a drag race and a, and, and a car crash and a whole thing. And this was the song that was on, and the kid who just crashed his car, w- they were playing this on the radio, and he goes, and he goes Oh, I love that song. Don't they write such good songs? Doesn't they ELO? They write such good songs. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I was just listening to that song on the radio. I was just listening to the car too. So I figured if this kid who just was in a drag race and he just crashed his car and it was like a, a, a right out of a rubble without a cause and he liked it, I'm like, well, I guess it's cool. So I like that song because it has meaning for me and that's the way concerts are supposed to be, right? So this has meaning for me and clearly no one else. I mean, these kids, these are the kids I was hanging out with. These are the kids I was hanging out. I also went with this kid, another kid, you know, to get fireworks out of the, the, the trunk of the Chinatown car, you know? The kids just, I'm telling folks, please just understand. This is in Jersey. I'm just telling you what happened. I would never have done this, even though I know that was the name, but this kid doesn't even care. He's going with the guy in the back. Goes, you got nigga chases? You got nigga chases or what? Like, uh, I don't know what that is. Come on. You either have them or you don't have them. You got I mean, that's what this particular firework was called. We've already done a show about that. I'm trying not to. I'm just telling you this is what happened. 
You can't be, you can't, you can't not say it didn't happen. If we want to be so PC because, uh, it, you know, it happened, so you got to talk about it. But no, let's not remember it. Let's not talk about it. Let's pretend it didn't happen. Can't do it. It happened. This is what was going on back then. Got to still talk about it. I guess you can tone it down a little, but this kid didn't even care. I can't even imagine. When, in 1980, I was like, why is he using that word? What's he doing? What's the matter with this guy? I didn't talk like that. I will let you know. I did not talk like that. And the only reason I talk like it now is I'm imitating those kids. And I still don't use that word, but I'm just saying. I mean, it was fascinating when people would use it as if it was completely acceptable. And again, we've talked about this before. Just the way people would just say to me, like, yeah, no, I just totally Jewed this guy down. I Jewed him down on the price and like as if that was the actual term. Yeah, I Jewed him down, so it's cool. He didn't even know. The kid didn't even know it was a completely racist term. I Jewed him down. I bet you there are people listening to this podcast who are going like, well, wait, that's not the, what, is the, what does that mean? That's anti-Semitic? But anyway, this Jeff Lynn, I wanted to hear those two songs. I obviously jerk off, wanted to hear the, uh, the one I, you know, from Xanadu. We didn't get this one. He didn't play any of this one. What's wrong with this one? Everybody loves this one. This one's amazing. Screw you. so cool it would be great in an arena too Dude, if you don't want to do anything from the soundtrack of Xanadu, why'd you even say yes to doing the songs to Xanadu? That's on you, jerk off. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Everybody knew that was going to be a stupid movie. The only reason it's popular is because you did the songs for it, and you don't want to sing them any of them in concert? I heard he does Xanadu. He did it apparently the night before and the night after, but he didn't do it when I was there, the, the song Xanadu. So I didn't hear that either. So I didn't hear one song I liked until the end when he hit the Mr. Blue Sky and the uh, Turn to Stone. That was at the very end. I heard two songs that I liked and the whole concert. But then it gets worse. This guy is such an asshole. He was ripping off shit left and right. And uh, what's the song? I wrote it down. Last Train to London. Have you heard this song before? It gets worse. What an asshole. Sounds fine. That's yeah, good enough to sit through it. But then something happens about 30 more seconds in. See if you can pick it up. Fine so far. Oh, what a nice song. Did you hear it? Put the music play on 
you hear it? Well, if you didn't catch it, I'll play it for you now. Let's go back to his. Whatever it is. I mean, this guy rips off the Mary Tyler Moore thing and we're supposed to sit there clapping because this idiot rips off the Mary Tyler Moore theme. That's his plan. What an asshole. It gets worse, too, because you know what he did? He turns off the air conditioning because he doesn't want it to hurt his voice. So everybody's sitting there in the heat. This guy has got to be stopped. This guy's finished. It's over. He's not going to play the stuff you want. He's, he's going to make you sweat through his stupid shows where he's ripping off the Mary Tyler Moore theme. If you're going to rip off the Mary Tyler Moore theme, at least use the Joan Jett version. It's a lot more entertaining. And then for my money, if you, if you go to Can't Get It Out of My Head, um, I think that sounds... Well, let's see if I can find it here. What, you know, there's a live, live, live... What what album was that off? And you know what uh, Dan Natterman goes because I was complaining about it the next well for the next like week and a half. Um, <laughs> Dan Natterman said, "Oh, you know what you want to listen to is Jungle from Out of the Blue." I played this today, and I was like, what is, "Natterman, this is obviously for somebody who's on the spectrum." This is the song you think I should listen to that's going to make everything better. Natterman's an idiot. What am I listening to him for? I don't think there's anywhere I can go with this song where I'm going to be happy. Oh my God, I can't. I can't even go on. It's just. It's driving me insane. It's driving me insane. I, I hate it. So what is it? I can't get you out of my mind, right? So I can't get you out of my head from 1974. So I hear this, right? Stop it right there. So what song am I thinking of? What song am I thinking of? Do you know? So now we know Jeff Lynn's ripped off like a bunch of people, and that makes him even more of an idiot. 
I was just so glad when I was sitting there. Steve goes, hey, do you recognize the Mary and Heather Moore theme? Like, thank God he noticed it, too. Well, that made me really happy that I wasn't completely insane. I got to tell you, the food was outstanding, though. They have this, uh, you know, section where we can just kind of fill ourselves and get free soda and stuff. That was delicious. Truly delicious. But the air conditioning being, I mean, are you kidding? Are you kidding? This guy's like, no, oh, I can't have the air conditioning on. Where's my voice? Oh, does it? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you get a million? You take your, your 10 million dollars you get for this concert. Shut the fuck up. Jeff Lynn. Boy, this guy's getting on my last nerve. Doesn't play anything I want to hear. Is miserable the whole time. I made everybody else miserable too. I'll tell you what. Nobody wants to come see a show with me anymore. Do you know? I said to my sister, I said, "Do, do, do you want? Does Dory want to come into the city? Does she want me to take her out for her birthday? We'll go see a show." She goes, "David, no one wants to see a show with you anymore." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Why not?" <laughs> I don't even know why I said why not. That makes me an idiot because I know why. I complain about everything. I can't help it. I'm a snob. I'm a theater snob. I'm a show snob. I want what I want. And I want it to be spectacular. Now, the ELO thing, I understand. That's on me. I want really gay songs that I want him to play songs. I'm sure he was like, I'm sorry I made them at all. But that's what I like. So that's me. But when it comes to theater, screw you. If I'm going to be mad that that stupid Peter Pan musical that Dory seemed to like sucked. And she just doesn't realize it. She's like, well, I liked it. Well, it stinks. I don't want you to like it because it stinks. Sorry, I am a theater snob. And if somebody likes something that I think blows and they don't put any effort into, then I think all, everybody should hate it. Now, of course, that's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I got to tone that down a little, huh? I guess nobody wants to go see anything with me. Although, come on, you guys know. If you listen to this podcast, you'd love to see a show with me because I will be adamant about it the entire time. Unless you like it, then it becomes annoying. If you feel like I do, then it's kind of entertaining. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe I have it all backwards. I don't know. Beth, I hear you calling, but I just can't get... I can't sing that song because my sister's name is Beth, so it's, it's disturbing. But I can't Beth, I... <laughs> I don't want to know what I'm doing. I've lost my mind, obviously. So on Wednesday, I meet Sarah at the cellar. It's pouring. It's lightning. Uh, but I meet her at the cellar. We have a good time. She goes on, and uh, Noam is there, and Joe Mag. You know, it's, 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 it was a good time. And then she's like, let's go, because I said, I have a spot. At 11 o'clock at the New York Comedy Club. But we went back to our hotel. You know, I talked to my friend Vincent. Three of us talked for a long time. And then I did my spot. And I thought she was going to come with me. So I was very upset. And I got into a fight. I'm like, wait, you're not coming? Because if we do the 8 o'clock show there, I can get you on. She's like, she she like texted me. She's like, you're not my manager. I don't need a manager. You know, whatever. Something I was, I was just trying to help her too, like organize stuff. Because sometimes I assume the role of a manager for managers not there because people just come to me anyway. In fact, it happened at the show. This guy was asking me, what do you want? She goes, uh, it's me. You can talk to me because they'll automatically, unfortunately talk to the guys because well, you can't really blame him. And she apologized later because she's like, I know they do that. It's just infuriating. But I think what the problem is is that a lot of people have 
a production manager or a manager with them. I think they don't expect, especially a woman, if as sexist as that may seem, to be by herself and handle everything on her own because I think they deal with so many managers and people that suck um, you know, at these event centers that they're not used to actually just dealing with the talent. So I'm not sure if that had anything to do with her being a woman, but she certainly took it that way. And I was just trying to organize stuff, and she had already gone up. But we talked it out, and everything was fine, thank God, because otherwise I, I was getting very depressed on Wednesday morning, very depressed. I'm like, if I go see her now at the cellar, when we see each other in person, we can work this out, which we've always been able to do, and we did. And we were best friends again. And so I go over to the uh, show at 11 o'clock. Thank God it was 11 o'clock show or it was 10 o'clock, 1030, whatever it is. He was going to give me the full 10 minutes I needed to get through. There was only he told me the show was canceled, but then he said, no, we're going to put it on. There was only seven people in the audience, seven people. But I did really well and I was having a good time and I felt comfortable. So I was very, very confident going into Thursday, the first of the big shows. And then uh, we talked to these two girls after they were from Australia, and I got a I got a a bit that I worked out that I used every night of the show, and it did really well. So it was completely worthwhile to do a show for seven people for me, um, which is just funny because the next day I'm doing a show for fifteen hundred people outdoors. So then, you know, it's so it's Wednesday night. I leave that. I hang out a little bit. I have a beer. We're talking until the show's over. And then what did I do? Oh, yeah. I decided I walked up a little bit. Then I got some food and I took a cab. I'm like, all right, I don't want to walk home tonight because I, I want to get home. Tomorrow's the biggest day of my life. So, you know, I get, I get, I go, I get home. I, I don't know if I slept. I, I don't remember what happened. I'm just like, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Like, I know I got to be at her hotel at 545, and that's where we're driving down to the South Street Seaport. So it's like, you know, I'm like, it's like 12 o'clock. I'm like, all right, I got five. I got pretty much six hours. You know, it was in my head the whole time. I'm like, all right, I got I got three hours. I got three hours. I was trying to run over the set. I'm trying to say, if I talk slow enough, can I get to 15? Can I get to 15? Each night, each time I was practicing, I never really got to 15. I'm like, I'm going to have to add in this thing that I don't want to do. I'm going to have to do it. And she said, when we got there, she goes, I really need everybody to do a fat 15. A fat 15, which means, you know, make sure it's 15. Don't be short. So we, you know, I get down, I practice. I'm feeling okay. I'm still mostly just nervous about the memorization of everything, not the crowd or anything else. And we get to the venue, and I tell you, it's this is really interesting. She has a rider. Sarah Silverman's a very big star, and she has a rider uh, that asks for some Red Bulls, a pot of coffee, and a sandwich, and and a timer on the stage, so we all know how much time we have to do. She asks for four things. Now, all of us know, if you've ever known anything about the history of rock and roll, if you've ever seen any movies or TV shows where they talk about this extensively, that people who have these writers in their contract of what they want when they get there are insane. You know, Van Halen, no green M&Ms. You know, that kind of shit. She asks for three things. A pot of coffee, 
some Red Bull cans, and a a sandwich and a timer. The three things are for the green room, one's for the stage. All they bought her was the Red Bulls. I don't understand how you fuck that up. She asked for three things in the green room, and they only got the Red Bulls. Oh, and these um, cookie, healthy cookies or something, which they completely had. The sandwich was not there. She wants one sandwich before she goes on stage to eat something, like an avocado sandwich or something. It's not like a, like a um, I need some healthy sandwich that you can only get off a tree bark and have. It wasn't like that. It was like a sandwich that anybody could make. And if you're on top of your game, I mean, you know, there's going to be a lot of people at that arena. You know, Cheryl Crow's going to be there. So, you know, Kansas. <laughs> I mean, whatever. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to perform on this rooftop all summer long and they can't get a sandwich. They didn't have a pot of coffee. They had nothing. And they didn't have the timer on stage. She's like, do you have the timer? And they're like, no. But we have a guy off stage that can tell you when. And we're like, what? How? how is that good that we have to at some point remember to turn our heads to the right and then and maybe catch this guy's eye? I mean, I can't even. I mean, that was really bad. I was upset with it, too, because I don't know when my 15 minutes is. I have no idea what's happening. And they told me, oh, you missed that guy for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I don't because I don't know what the fuck this guy was doing. I don't I, I don't know where to look. It's hard to see off stage. I don't want to turn to the right. So that's weird. Anyway, we go to the venue. The venue's unbelievable. It's a little dark because it was stormy, but it wasn't the rain held out completely. So the stage is when you're sitting looking at the stage, the backdrop is the Brooklyn Bridge. It's amazing, but it was very windy. My hair was all over the place. It was horrible. So she demanded they put the thing down. They're like, no, no, the wind stops at around 8 o'clock. Keep it open. We like it open. We like people looking at the bridge. But she's like, no, I want people to pay attention to me. I can't blame her for that one because I got to say, if I was in the audience, I'd just be staring at that bridge the whole time, watching the cars go by. I would be be off. Uh, It was beautiful. And my view is facing the Verrazano and the BQE. And, you know, it's amazing. It's, you know, downtown Manhattan. It's, it's beautiful all around. I mean, you're right on the water. And you are where you're situated the way Manhattan is. You're really like, you know, you're on a pier. So you're outside on the East River. So you're totally the Brooklyn Bridge is directly behind you. It's like you're in the middle of the water. But she pulled down the thing, which was probably better so people are paying more attention. And it cut the wind out and everything. It was the right thing to do, unfortunately, because uh, how more exciting is it to have the backdrop? But um, so she, what she does every day, and my sister said she loved this factor of it. She goes out first. She tells everybody what's going to happen. She goes, look, the reason it's and friends, Sarah Silverman and friends, is because I don't have any material from my last special. I've used it all up. So I'm doing new stuff. So I only have about 35 minutes and, you know, I got to have these other people on the show to fill it out. So that's why. So what's going to happen is I, you know, she, she was on, she's like, um, Dave Jessica is going to come out. He's the MC. He's going to do 15 minutes. He's going to bring out the next comic. She's going to do 15 minutes. She, he's going to bring out the next comic. She's going to do 15 minutes. Then I'm going to come out and do 35 all new stuff. I'm working on stuff and that's how we're going to do it. 
And it seemed like it was very smart because she's like, I hate when you're sitting out there. You don't know how long the person's going to be. And my sister was like grateful for it. It was really funny that she was able to concentrate. Okay, she's only got 15 minutes, so it's fine. So good planning, I guess. So she brings me out. And uh, there I am on that stage in front of 1,500 people looking at the, the, you know, the, the BQE and the water. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe... I'm up there. I was almost in tears when I was coming out. I knew my sister was out there and a couple of other friends. And I'm like, wow, this is exciting. It's got to be exciting for them as well. I'm on the big screen, you know, like at a concert. It's unbelievable. And I go out. My first joke does really well. I don't even remember what it was. I was saying a bunch of stuff. I'm like, well, you know, I just like, first you got to get it. Go, oh, my God, New York City, South Street Seaport. It's unbelievable here. Um, I don't remember what I said. Each venue, I had something to say. Uh, oh, yeah, I think I said the thing about the BQE, you know, like, uh, you know, they got the big pictures up there. I got, a, I was, uh, a high school friend of mine was driving over to the BQE. He saw my, you know, my, my, uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. Whatever it was, I was talking about New York City and all that stuff. And, and then I just went into the act and I was, I was stalling pretty much. I want to kill two minutes because I got 13. So I'm just trying to kill some time. Talk about the rain. I talk about the moon landing. You know, I'm like, let's talk about the moon landing. It's this anniversary. It's a good thing to talk about. Talk about these guys, you know, whatever. And then I go into the act. And I definitely did. You know, I find I finally remember. I got to turn that way. How am I going to know when I'm finished? I turn to this guy and he's holding up the side. I'm like, oh, thank God. I, then I got I got five minutes left. I only have, you know, one minute of material. So definitely stretched it out. But I did my time. And, uh, you know, the last two jokes weren't very good. Uh because I was like stretching with new stuff that wasn't prepared, but it was great. And then I bought Marina up. And when I went back, Sarah was like, you did great. You did great. That was so funny. We were laughing so hard, especially, I guess their favorite joke was uh, the one where I was talking about that. I got fired and I got me too. And, um, you know, the managing partner was in the meeting and he goes, I think we should fire Dave Juskow. And everybody stood up and said, me too. Uh, That seemed to kill with the girls backstage. So that was good. And then I felt like a million bucks. Uh, you know, I'm like, let's just power down a little bit. And then, uh, you know, I know I got to go back on stage and introduce Beth. And, you know, Marina killed it. I go back out. I do two jokes. One worked, one didn't. And then I just bring out Beth again. And Beth didn't see the guy at all. And she went really long. And Sarah was pissed. But I kept telling her, I'm like, I don't think she was with us when the guy told us what the plan was about the timing. Although I'm not sure if that's true. So she did like 20 minutes, a little longer. But you can't really be mad at her. I mean, you made it seem you know, a fat 15, you know. But when she saw the guy hold up his hands with a, with a fist, which means it's over, uh, she shouldn't be doing another five minutes of material. She should be doing, she should be ending. So Sarah was really upset. She's like, what's she doing? What's she doing? But, you know, she finally got off. And um, then Sarah went on and she killed it. The people loved it. And the best part was her ending is this porn thing that she plays on her phone of some guy that says her name when he, you know, finishes. And it's really funny. So she wants to play it for people, but her phone wasn't working. And she's like, no, I got this is my ending. This man, I got to make this work. It wasn't working. And some guy ran down from the thing. He had it on his phone 
And the crowd went crazy. It was awesome. I'm like, you should, you should do that every night and ask if anybody could do it because it's great. She goes, no, it, it shouldn't be made up like that. It should be real because that's what made it so great. It was real. And the guy came up. She took his phone, played it, gave it back to the guy. crowd loved it. So they were thrilled. They were really having a great time. But here's what happened after. First of all, while she was going on, I was able to go outside, have a beer, walk around. I saw my friend Lori and everything, and I was able to pick up some edibles for other people who wanted. I don't eat edibles, but I was able to pick up some stuff from this guy, and he had it. I bought it backstage. Everybody was very happy. That's not my thing. And the people that worked there were very nice. I was talking to the guy. I think we're going to go to a Devils game, like the stage manager and stuff. He was really nice. And, and then it's like I knew I could ask to get some more people backstage. Now, David Tell's sister was supposed to come backstage. Her name is Monica. And I've had that plan for a long time. My sister. But how was I going to get my sister's friends in? Uh, well, that was handled beforehand. But then, you know, there were other friends. There were these kids that I used to babysit for. Now they're like 20 I was like, can I get them in? But I was asking the guy, I'm like, can you get, you know, can we do this? And they're like, yeah, we'll work it out. But I'm still nervous. I don't want to overwhelm Sarah. But everything's going okay. I'm trying to keep people away from her, but I also, I know they want to meet her. But everything's cool. She's cool. Unfortunately, David tells stupid sister, brings in this other guy. She's like, why can't we get in? Her name was the first one on the list. She's like, we're having trouble getting in. We're having trouble because she's an idiot. She had backstage pants up front, but she didn't know. She's like, we're, we're with this guy. And I'm like, I don't know who that guy is, but whatever, come up. She came up, and then she comes in with this guy. She goes, oh, and this is Nick. And I'm like, oh, how you doing? And there'd be no reason why I wouldn't think that this whoever this guy is, is with her. But he wasn't. He was a creepy dude who was scamming and said, no, I'm friends with Sarah. It's cool. Where Monica should have said, well, I don't, she should have come in and said, I don't know who this guy is. He's not with us. And this guy creeped out Sarah so much, she had to prematurely leave. She had to ask him to leave. You need to walk away now. I put Sarah in that position because Monica tells a fucking moron. I called her up after and I'm like, you fucking idiot. How could you bring in somebody like that? She said, well, we didn't know. We thought he said he was friends with Sarah. And he said, I mean, how could David Tell's sister do this? If my sister fell for that, I could see it because this isn't what she normally does. But she should know better. David Tell is her, her brother. He hates everyone. She should be judgmental of anyone that's standing next to her. I blamed her. I called her. I'm like, what is the matter with you? Sarah was furious. She was scared. This guy was creepy. He was staying there after they left. I couldn't figure it out. Then I then she's like, talk to my husband. And, and he was like, I knew something was wrong, but I, I didn't know if he was somebody else's friend. He's right. I didn't know either. She Why would she put it in a text? We're with this other guy. We're here with this other guy, Nick. I'm like, who the fuck is Nick? And then she's like, this is Nick. Why wouldn't I thought that was her friend? What's the matter with her? This is David Tell's sister. She should know better. That was a disaster. And that kind of ruined everybody coming backstage for the rest of the week because it also looks bad on me. So I was like, you know, thank God it was a Tell's sister that she already knew a Tell's sister was coming. But it still looks bad at me that I was bringing up these strangers and I'm not being diligent about it. And there was... You know, we had these two security guys with us for three days. 
And then I look like a dick in front of them. I'm like, they're cool. They're cool. Now I look like a fucking asshole. Because this guy came in out of nowhere. It was really, it sucked. I found that out later. She texted me and I'm like, what? Oh, wait. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then I just, when I got home, I really reamed Monica a new ass. I was so upset. She's like, it's not my fault. I didn't know. And I'm like, well, next time, be more careful. And believe me, after that, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know this guy. I don't know this. You know, I, now, next time, forever, I'll be like, I don't know who this is. I don't know this person. They're going to have to tell me exactly who they are. I mean, I'll go, I'll embarrass myself and look like a fool to make sure that never happens again. I'll, I'll never fall for that again. Whoa, 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 I don't know this guy. How do you know this guy? I'll, I'll do that. Because again, in that situation, whether she wants to say I'm not her manager or not, I am her manager. I'm her friend, her security guard, and her manager. I have to protect my friend and the celebrity that she is. Because that is my job as the only man, air quotes, on the show. And I didn't do a good job, even though those two beefy security guys are there. They're so awesome and so nice. Now I make them look like idiots, and I put them in a bad situation. really upset meanwhile before i knew that was the case uh i walked out with marina she had one of the edibles so she was a mess and we're walking down i'm like come on let's get a drink let's get a drink and i saw beth talking to these girls it turns out i knew these girls and they were at the show so right at the south street seaport i just wanted to walk around the south street seaport a little bit as you know from last week i just wanted to walk about on my own like sophia thought no i just wanted to get a drink with someone how can you blame me i'm in the city it's not whatever i mean i i like my after show beer Sarah doesn't have any beer at, after his show, so I was, I was lucky I was able to get a beer from somewhere. I just took it out of a bin. And, uh, and then I met these girls, and I was able to drink with them until closing, which was great. And then I just walked them somewhere. I was like, well, where, where are you going? You know, I, then I was tagging along them because I, I just didn't want to go home. I was on a pretty good high. And then I took a bike home. I took a bike up to 14th Street, and I think I got something to eat. Yeah, that's what I did. Why did I do that? How did I? Oh, because the night before I must have stopped there. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I started eating the, that halal thing, you know, just rice and chicken like I used to get at that card. I'm so, I miss that thing so much. That's what I've been eating when I go home, just chicken and rice, some lettuce and tomato. Seems a little healthier. So I rode the bike from the seaport to 14th Street and then uh, took another cab. Treat myself to a cab. That was all right. I think it was raining again, so it's okay. And then I called Monica, you know, I couldn't eat because I had to call Monica, yell at her for a half hour. Then Marina called, wanted to make sure she was okay. And then we talked about that for a half hour. I was just eating while I was talking. It was not enjoyable. Yeah, you just want to eat and mind your own business. But that's all right. First night over, went well. The next day, I know I got to meet the car at 2.30 and we're going to Pennsylvania. It took us two hours to get out of the city. We are, that her hotel's pretty much by the Holland Tunnel. It took us two hours to get out. It was so frustrating. And, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, I'm not driving, so I don't care. But, you know, we left early enough, doesn't matter. But still, Jesus Christ, two hours to get out of the city. What a stupid city this is. It was a Friday night in the summer. Somebody should have planned differently. You know me. I would never have let that happen. But leaving at 2.30 for an 8 o'clock show, uh, going to Pennsylvania from New York, you think you got enough time. Meanwhile, we didn't get out of the city until about 4 o'clock. 
Made it there with maybe an hour to spare. Didn't matter. You know, you don't have to do like a sound check. We do a sound check for everyone, but uh, you don't have to. And then we all had to stop at a Starbucks to go to the bathroom. I always think, you know, you're working at the Starbucks in the middle of New Jersey somewhere. Maybe it was like Basking Ridge, New Jersey. And then Sarah Silverman gets out of the car and goes to the bathroom or orders some coffee. But I don't even think they knew who it was. I would think that would be the most exciting day I have ever had in my life. Every Whenever I worked at Bennigan's, you know, in Edison, New Jersey, no one stopped by. Not even Ali Sheedy. I mean, no one. So that would have been the greatest day of my life. Then we took a little bathroom break out of our way. The girls couldn't wait because I, I like know the area. I'm like, well, I know there's like just a drive off here, but we get, we get out of our way. And then we went to the arena and I saw my, uh, I had a friend there, so I met him beforehand. I'm like, let me see if I can get you backstage. But oh my God, right? And then Sarah had some friends from uh, elementary school there, so they were backstage. And and then, uh, but you know, again, so that show went really well for me. That was the best show I had, the Bethlehem Sands Casino one. I did really well. I was feeling very comfortable. Did exactly my time. And then brought everybody out. I just, when I introed Sarah, I did a horrible job. She even said, you got to work on that intro. That was horrible. She's like, your intros are horrible. And I'm like, I know. I don't know why. Something snapped. Something went wrong in my head. Something I was saying, the greatest comic of the 21st century or the queen of comedy or whatever. That was all all right, I guess. And then I just, I don't know what I said. I just couldn't find the right intro. Finally, the next, every time she'd come out after, I would hug all the girls when they came out because I was having such a good time and it was legitimate. And I'm like, isn't this exciting? So we'd all hug each other after, which was fun, you know. But then Sarah said uh, on the last night, she goes, uh, please don't take offense to this, but it's funny that this is like a really female empowering show and that the, you know, the man on the show is the worst uh, of the four is, is perfect. And I'm like, thank you very much. <laughs> but I know what she means. It's quite all right. So after that show ends, I brought my friends backstage and I'm, and I'm like, hey, do you want to, you know, here's Sarah, you know, hey, meet this guy. Uh, but, you know, then with his girlfriend or something, I'm like, all right, but now come, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because she's talking to Sarah a little too long. I'm like, all right, come on, guys, guys, you got to move. Because then I'm just, I don't want her to be burdened with my friends. So I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And then I tell everybody, hey, we had a problem. Like, you know, so then I don't look like a complete dick. But I'm like, come on, come on. I just want to move them out, move them in. It's very nice because I know they want to meet her. But we got to move it on, you know, like just, uh, okay, that's great. We said hello. And then that's it. I have to be that way because I don't want any trouble after what happened the night before. Because that kind of ruined, uh, you know, everybody's mood. So I had to be very careful. And I don't know whether she gets mad at me that I bring people backstage. But let's face it, I don't do this very often. So people were excited to see me, let alone her. Uh, so after that show, we immediately got in the car and went to the Borgata. Again, they didn't have any beer, so I couldn't have my after-show beer, which is my favorite thing to do in the whole world. And there was no beer, and I was, like, really upset. And then we just got in the car, and it was two hours to Atlantic City. And Beth goes, I want ice cream. We need to stop at a McDonald's or a Dairy Queen. We need to find a Dairy Queen. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. And Sarah just completely let it happen. Like, yeah, okay, whatever Beth wants. And I'm like, what? What? Where is this coming from? That would never happen to me. She made us go 10 minutes out of our way to find a, a Sonic, which was a brilliant move. I was all on board with it. I just couldn't believe Sarah was letting it happen. This Beth has got a lot of balls. 
She's a, a millennial who clearly just doesn't give a shit. But in my book, Beth can do whatever she wants because, again, she put me in crashing and she wrote the episode for me and she tried to get me in the next year. So I worship Beth Stelling. So in my book, she can also do whatever she wants. I just couldn't believe Sarah just let her do it. I certainly wasn't going to suggest anything like that. I wouldn't even suggest stopping off at the bathroom. So, yeah, we went to Sonic. We all had, like, I had a hot fudge Sunday, and they had whatever they had with M&Ms and stuff in it. And it was really funny. We get up to the door, and Sarah's, you know, talking into the box. And we go to the drive-through, not the drive-in. And uh, the door's closed. She's like, um... She's like, oh, do you want... The, the lady just doesn't care. She goes, do you want me to do um, something from Wreck-It Ralph? You want me to do some words from Wreck-It Ralph? And she's like, what? <laughs> the girl doesn't even care because we're laughing. I think I videotaped uh, Sarah talking into the box because it was really funny. Um, if I was a horrible person, I would put that up immediately on Instagram. Um, but the girl... Uh, Gave her, oh, what happened was, I think Sarah gave her like $100 at the window. And what then she said, do you want me to do something with Rebecca She goes, are you serious? Like that. But then we realized she was probably talking about the $100 bill is what it was, which was very nice to do and unnecessary. But uh, I don't even think the girl knew it was her, which is, again, so classic. Most people do. It's just kind of funny. I mean, I run, I walk with her on the street every day. People know who he is just, just from her voice alone. They were like, that sounds like Sarah Silverman. So we eat the ice cream in the car, which was super fun. That hot fudge Sunday was brilliant. Oh, because we also got food on the way home. And of course, I think mine smelled bad or it was gross. I was trying to get food I could eat in the car, but it wasn't working. And I just threw it out. It was a bummer. I was trying to eat some when I was there. I, I didn't know what was happening. It was dark in there. It wasn't very delicious. Even though I th- we feel like Emeril Lagasse made it for us because it's his thing. And the guy said, the chef who's not usually here is here today. He said Emeril. And I think it's his restaurant. I, I don't, I'm confused. But if that's him, it's, it wasn't good. I just tried not to get any fish. You know what happened last time when she kicked me out of the car. So I don't even know. I tried to just get a lamb chop that I could hold up and eat, but it was gross. It was like a lamb something, but it was so repulsive and great. What didn't taste very good. It was very odd. Anyway, the ice cream really hit the spot. And then we finally got to the Borgata. We got all our rooms. And what time would it have been now? Like uh, midnight, one o'clock? And everybody went to their respective rooms, and I immediately went downstairs to gamble. And I gambled for two hours, and I did really well. Uh, you know, probably I put out... You know, I remember I was saying I was going to take $1,000 and do it, but I took like $500 out. I'm like, I'm going for it. and put $300 on the table, and I think I won 100 So it's thrilled. And then the best part, I was having a good time because I just did a good set. I'm in Atlantic City. Screw everybody. They want to go to bed. I'm having a good time. Um, then we, this is the best part. We just start, uh, Sarah starts texting, a group text between me, Beth, Marine, and Sarah. And they're just, te- we're texting each other at like four in the morning. Sarah's room is gross. And we're just talking about all this stuff that's horrible with the rooms. And there's so much jism. And there are, you know, super fun talk between just the four of us giggling, technically in our bedrooms. But I was outside walking through the casino, really happy that I had won and laughing hysterically at these texts. There was, it was so much fun. It reminded me of in Family Guy 
where Peter and Quagmire realize they're in the same movie theater together and they just start giggling and like, oh my God, oh my God, what should we do? What should we do? And they're just texting each other and having a really good time. That's what it was. And the best part about that is it reminded me of the one other good time I had on the road in comedy so many years ago, 1988, 89, um, before I even met Sarah, I went on the road and something really bad had happened once before which stopped me from ever doing comedy again. But this one time I was with this guy. I didn't know him. I just met him. He was a fat guy and he was hilarious. And we were calling each other up in our hotel rooms, giggling, hilarious, making fun of this one other kid. And we were, and I remember this is so much fun. If this is what being on the road is as a comic, this is awesome. It's so much fun to be on the road with other people, which is why I think Sarah always wants to be on the road with others. Because it's so much fun just giggling and laughing, you know, when you're all in the same situation. So we were just texting like all night long and Beth was texting. She made pictures of me and Marina with jizz coming out of our mouths. And we're laughing so hard, having such a fun time. I was, I was just walking on the floor. I'm like, I just want to sit at a slot machine right now and just keep texting these guys because it's so much fun. I was so happy it was like being a child but like in the best way and not talking about child but really talking about childish teenage stuff and you know like stuff and it was so funny and it was just so much fun that we were all involved that you know they were in their bedrooms when i was in the casino and it was just a fun group chat at four in the morning about performers just having nothing to do at nighttime you know it was it was so much fun it was great I was so happy and it was like, I was like, I cannot wait to talk about this on the podcast because this is just the best part of this tour ever. This is so much fun. It's like being a little kid. It was awesome. And obviously I had won, so I was so happy. And um, so that was a great night. And the next day I say, I want to get up and do something. I said, Sarah, what do you want to do? Do you want to have breakfast? She goes, no, I'm sleeping all day. And Beth's up all day, too. But Marina and I wanted to go out. Like, I wanted to be like, you know, we're in Atlantic City. I, I don't want to stay in my room this time. I want to do something. We're having a good time. I want to be like a comic that does stuff during the day, like tell always does all the time. And it was 100 degrees, hottest day of the year. But we say, let's go to the boardwalk. So, wait, did I go down early? No. No, I knew I was gambling that night. So I went down to the, Marina and I went down and we had lunch or breakfast, lunch at this place. Horrible. But we also got a per diem, I noticed, so I charged it to the room, which was brilliant. So then we decided we're going to go to the boardwalk. We took a cab to the boardwalk. It was so hot, but we wanted to do something besides gambling, at least me. So we walked from like the beginning of the boardwalk to maybe the middle, and then we both looked at each other like, let's get the fuck out of here. I mean, this is horrible (laughs) because it was so hot. And I felt like I was going to pass out. I don't drink enough water. And I'm like, let's just go back. Let's call it. And she's, you know, we're looking at each other. Thank God you said it. Thank God you said it. It was just too much. We wanted to be proactive and active and whatever uh, and do it. But we just couldn't do it. So then I had to go back and, you know, take a nap because I was, I was drenched. Not drenched. I was, um, you know, out of it because we were walking and it was 100 degrees. So I'm like, I need a nap. I got to replenish and I got to drink some water and just relax. So I took the nap. When I finally got up, that's when Rhoda called and told me she had no AC. And I'm like, let's shower and get down. Then we found, then we all found out the show was at 7 o'clock, not 8, which I had no idea. So we had to go down for a sound check at 545. But I was ready. 
and uh, went down and I saw that guy, Ben, who saw me bomb, saw me, you know, get booed off stage with Artie, and we were talking about that, and I introduced him. I'm like, this is the guy that saw me. He goes, yeah, I couldn't believe you asked him back. <laughs> you know, it was really funny. Everybody's really nice. But again, again, uh, okay, so the Bethlehem Casino had the sandwich for the, the rider. It had everything. Oh, and they had a clock. So Bethlehem Casino got it right. The Sands Casino, they had a clock right in the center so we knew exactly how much time. we. It starts at 15 minutes and counts down for each of us. It was perfect. Oh, and there, when I opened up, I said about Pennsylvania, I'm like, so how many people are from Bethlehem? And a lot of applause, people, a lot of from the, I guess, locals. And how many people hate Billy Joel, a guy from Long Island, talking, who the hell is he to talk about Bethlehem or Allentown? And so that got some laughs. Uh, anyway, when we got to the Borgata, they had nothing in the room. Nothing. She's like, where's the stuff for my rider? Where's my sandwich? Where's the Red Bulls? And these two old ladies come in with a tray as if no one who's ever played there, and I'm talking about Josh Grobin. I know who's played there. Josh Grobin, uh, you know, Chris Rock. Uh, like, I, I always use Kansas as an example because it's hilarious. Journey. You know, like all the bands, comedians, the top of the top, plays the Borgata as if no one has ever asked for anything backstage where these women are like, oh, how are we going to get this table in? Here, well, no, we'll have to. It was so weird. And then the table with the Red Bull and the stuff, should we keep it here? And then finally a sandwich came in. It was so weird. And Sarah doesn't want to be an asshole. But Jesus Christ, she asked for four things. She says, Whitney Cummings, what she does is asked for like 30 ridiculous things just because they seem to not do four. So just ask for ridiculous stuff and then they concentrate on the right. Then they look at the rider. Oh, Jesus, we got to get this. We got to get this. Very smart, I guess. I I mean, either way, you're going to be a dick. You're going to be a dick if you ask for those things. Then you're going to be a dick if they don't get them and you got to ask for them. So there's no way to win. So you might as well just ask for 100 things and see if five of them show up pretty uncool you ask for i mean that's part of the deal have a writer what do you need backstage we'll take care of it so weird at least they had the timer on the stage um and then they you know they bought it but i can't believe the south street Superboard didn't even have a pot of coffee and, and and then when they finally bought it, it was the worst coffee i've ever had in my life but wasn't for me um so then, yeah, we did that show, and that was great. I was so happy after I got off. I was, like, in a good mood. Because then we could finally hear each other's act from that. For some reason, the acoustics were better there. And then my friend, you know, Joe Messina was there, and this guy from college, Barry Corbin, was there. And, uh, you know, it's just – but I was texting. Joe's like, where are the tickets? I don't know what's happening. You know, texting people before, it's so frustrating. You just want people to take care of stuff. But what are you going to do if the tickets aren't there? I got to get them in. I don't know why it took so long the tickets to get to the box office. But everything worked out okay. And then I was just trying, I was like, when I get there, I'll, I'll be in good with the production managers and I'll ask them if I could let the people in, which is exactly what I did. I don't want to bother Sarah with it and I don't even really want to tell her about people I might be bringing backstage after what happened on Thursday. So thank God I become friendly with those guys. I'm like, can I get somebody backstage? You know, like really quietly. And they're like, what did you say? I'm like, no, shut up, shut up, shut up. I just want to bring somebody upstairs. It's cool, it's cool. Um, and then her dad had some friends that were coming from like Sarah's dad. Had some, I got some people coming in from Florida. 
They want to come in. They don't have tickets. She's like, so what do you want me to do? You want me to get them tickets to the last? What the hell is this? Why don't you tell me ahead of time? Even even the dad is being an asshole, like in the sense of, we, you don't know how it works. You know, you're that old that you don't understand how it works getting bidding people in. Of course, it's not a problem to get, you know, I'm Sarah, I can get you free tickets, but just, you know, give me a heads up five minutes beforehand. So we had a lot of people backstage that time, but it wasn't backstage, it was just in the hallway. So my friend Joe, his wife, his daughter, and his mother-in-law came, which was hilarious. And then my friend Barry came with his wife, but he didn't mention his kids were or his son and his girlfriend were coming. He goes, yeah, there were, and I went outside. He's like, hey, can, the security guys, can you point out the people you want? I'm like, yeah, these four, and then these. He goes, these are my kids. I'm like, and I said, you didn't tell me your kids were coming. You know, just be honest with who's coming backstage. You didn't tell me you had kids. You said you and your wife were coming. So I knew nothing about this. And I'm like, you sure those are your kids? You know, I, I don't want to take any chances. I don't want to be a dick. I haven't seen the guy in 30 years. I didn't even recognize him. And, 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 and then he's bringing his kids in. I, I, I just got to make sure everything goes smooth. So then I walked them all back. I was talking to him for a while. I was trying to interchange the conversation, but Joe knows I'm going to see him later, so he doesn't care. I'm trying to talk to these four. I know they want to meet Sarah, and they're like, can we get a picture with Sarah? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I guess, but she's got her own people. So I'm just trying to make everybody hang out. And then they're talking too long again, and I'm like, hey, can you can you come back? Can you come? Can, guys, can you, can you come back over this way? Can you come back? You know, they're just not listening because I guess they're enamored. Like, I can't believe I'm talking to Sarah. I got a couple of things I want to say. I know, but... You know, we got to make it fun. Meanwhile, all I wanted to do is to see Joe. I told her, I said, he's going to get misty. He's going to get misty because of the way you helped this kid, uh, you know, with Johnny Knoxville and everything. He's going to get misty. And that's exactly what happened. He, you know, he couldn't help himself because he, you know, Sarah really did help us out uh, with his daughter and everything. And it was, it, I was great. I, that, see, that is who I wanted her to see. I wanted them to meet Joe and Jocelyn for that reason. She didn't mind at all, of course. And she understood and, and that was great. So I was waiting till everybody left before I introduced them so we could get a moment together, which was great. And um, and then those guys left. Uh, they kept saying, Jeff's guy, you better be packed because we're leaving right now. I'm like, I'm staying. I was just like, oh, God, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. So, uh, you know, I was staying over. Those guys left right after the show. I'm like, see you later. I couldn't wait to stay. So Joe and I, we went to Bobby Flay's, which is the worst place I've ever been to. But that's where they wanted to go. Uh, Bobby Flay's. Um, I don't know. They didn't make a reservation. I I was almost going to say, why don't you make a reservation for 10? Um, but then the show started at 7 and I got all confused. And uh, they didn't make one because I guess they didn't know what was happening either. And then we had to wait till 10. But a big, I didn't care. I don't care eating late. But we're with this 80-year-old woman who, you know, got to, you know, she needs to eat. She needs to relax. She needs to go to bed. But we ate there. Food was okay. Um, I ordered a lot, uh, <laughs> um, but I didn't order as much as I think I probably could have eaten even more. Uh, but I was trying to keep it low. But I, um, I like the old homestead better. I didn't like their cream spinach, the Bobby Flays. The steak was pretty good. The sauce was good, and you know nothing compares to Wolfgang's. The shrimp cocktail was pretty good. Caesar salad was just okay. Nothing was great. It was Bobby Flays. It should be the greatest, but nothing was. You know, like, oh, my God, this is great. And then I want the dessert and coffee because, you know, they all want to leave, which I get because it's like midnight already and uh, they're not used to eating late. But I want to have coffee because I want to gamble and I want to stay up all night. So Joe was kind enough to wait with me and uh, 
you know, I had just a little bit of, I just want a little bit of cheesecake, little, tiny piece, tiny, just a sliver, sliver smaller piece, smaller piece. A little bit of cheesecake and a little bit, you know, weigh out the, all the salty stuff that I had and uh, and some coffee so I could gamble all night, which I had. And then we went to the three-card poker table. I'm feeling like a million bucks because I have just performed. The first thing, you know, I performed. I'm not just there to be a degenerate and see my friends and perform. I performed. I did a show. The night before, I was even like, yeah, I'm doing a show here tomorrow night. I was talking to the... You know, the dealers all the time. Yeah, I'm at the event center. It's not, That's no big deal. I'm opening for Saturday. I told everybody. And then I told them that night too. And so me and Joe were at this table and I was killing it. I got three straight flushes or two and I got one the next day. I made it $1,500. It was fantastic. Three card poker. We were having a good time with the dealer. We were having such a good time. Joe and I were laughing. It was so much fun. I was being such a dick. Every time I'd have a really good hand, like especially a straight flush, which... You know, pays. I had 15 bucks on there once, and it pays, what, 40 to one or something. So I won a lot of money, and um, it would turn over. And he goes, Wait, you had a straight. And the guy next to him, I'm like, Oh, did I? Oh, I didn't even realize. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, and I guess it's almost uh, a full house with the up top. Oh, I guess that pays more. I just kept doing that bit. I kept it quiet. But meanwhile, my heart was like pounding, but I was trying to like keep it. Every time I had a good hand, I'm, I had another straight flush. I'm like, Oh my, you know, this happens to me on a daily basis. So this means really nothing to me. It's not that big a deal. The guy next to us was like, you got to get some cocaine. I hope you have cocaine. You're going to need it all night. You know, like something. It was really funny. But we were having a great time. I was really hitting it. I made, you know, so much money. I mean, what could be happier? I performed. I had a great show. I just finished the tour. I had a couple of drinks, a nice meal. I was with my pal. We were laughing at the table, having such a good time. Uh, what could be better? You know, I think, I don't know, maybe the positive mood puts you in a winning mood. Maybe it sends something out to the universe instead of what I usually like, God, I got to win this. I got to win something so I can go home. You know, like, so I didn't even care. But, you know, winning makes you happier. And uh, it was it was great. Uh, I finally powered down around 4 a.m., went to bed uh then uh audrey audrey and i kept talking she's in japan so i'm still up at four or five o'clock so it's perfect it's 13 hours difference there she, you know we would facebook back and forth and she's like oh my god it's amazing here i just went to the shogun museum uh we're gonna have her on the podcast she can explain it to us but every time she would say something because i'm a dick i have to say well that's pretty good but i'm watching two broke girls and Lindsay lohan is on it it's amazing and uh, then she would just send me a picture of that Susan B. Anthony dollar, remember, because we had that trouble uh, like a month ago, <laughs> like where I was like, well, I don't want to get Susan B. Anthony dollars. So now she said every time I'm sassy, she sends me that stupid Susan B. Anthony dollars. I got to tell you also, on the ride to Atlantic City, Marina and I were having such a good time in the back seat, laughing. Uh, <laughs> we, I'm telling you, it was like, it was like being in, like I, my high school and, and, and camp times were bad. But the one couple of times the day you have something fun happen with a friend that you're having a, a giggle fest, boy, it's that's what it felt like. It felt like we were kids again. She's falling in and out of consciousness. <laughs> Beth Stelling goes, well, we need to go to McDonald's to go to, to get some hot fun Sundays. And Marina's like, no. <laughs> she just yells, nah, nah, we ain't going there. <laughs> She nobody even heard her. They didn't even hear what was happening. But then I was like 
I guess I was giggling or something. She's just looking at me. She goes, you look like you're having a good time over there. <laughs> like, it was just so funny. We were laughing so hard. It was so much fun. And so, you know, just texting and talking to people. Obviously, I was in a good mood. And let me tell you something. As I've said before, when Dave Juskow's in a good mood, the world laughs. I put everybody in a good mood if I'm in a good mood. And if I am in a bad mood, you do not want to be around. And that's pretty much what happened at ELO. I feel horrible for everybody. But then, the ne- you know, so I went to bed at four. I woke up at seven because I wanted to get back to the tables just because Joe and I like, I want, because I wanted to leave. So I wanted to gamble early, have breakfast and leave. I didn't want to stay any longer, even though I was killing it, right? That's the key. So we went down about eight o'clock, maybe eight in the morning. Joe and I went down again. Then Joe started winning big. He got a straight flush, so I couldn't have been happier, and I won again, and he won his money back, and then some, so we were in great moods. Then we got the text saying, the girls are downstairs, we're going to go to the uh, the buffet, but unfortunately, I couldn't even eat that much. It was early in the morning, I wasn't, damn it, you know, I want to go back to that, I want to keep going back to that buffet, but I only had like some eggs and some bacon and some coffee, and then uh, went upstairs. And packed my stuff and took off. Took off. Never went back to the tables again. Joe was like, I'll walk you out. I'm like, okay. But then, like, it just didn't work. I'm like, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. I just got to leave. I got to leave. I got to leave right now. I I cashed my chips and I want to leave with this wad of money in my pocket. I don't want to look back. And I took an Uber to Long Branch, New Jersey, because the whole key to the weekend for me was looking forward to going in the water in the beach after all these gigs. That was the key for me. And Dave Elliott said he'd be there. I was getting a little nervous. He was going to flake on me. But that was the key. For some reason, being in that water after the week of preparation, after all the stuff I did, being in the ocean was what I had in my head what I wanted to do. And again, it reminded me, we were having such a good time. It was so hot. We were in the ocean for about a half hour, 40 minutes. It was so cool and comfortable and great. We were talking. Again, giggling, having a great time. I was telling them about the week. And again, it reminded me of the great time I had with Greg Giraldo, the late, great Greg Giraldo in 1996. Uh, How many years ago is that? 2016. So, yeah, 20, over 20 years ago, we came back from Montreal, the Montreal Comedy Festival, which is ironically this week. So exactly 23 years ago, we came back for the month. We flew from Montreal to JFK and Caroline Hirsch from Caroline's took us to her house in the Hamptons, me and Geraldo. And we went right from Montreal, from the plane to the car. We went to the Hamptons and we went right into the ocean. And we were giggling, having the best time. We couldn't believe we were just on a plane and now we're in the ocean and we were laughing, and I was in such a great mood. We were drinking on the plane. We were having such a good time. That is what I felt again when I was in the ocean on Sunday with Dave. It, again, it was like being a little kid, or at least the way life was supposed to be as a little kid, which it you know just wasn't all laughs for me just because you know I'm a strange person. It should have been. I didn't really have a lot of tragedy in my life. It was just, you know, I, I, I'm a, I, I get depressed. And confused, but you know, it was I, I was so happy. I was in such a good mood. It all ended great, and uh, 
you know, just having a couple of beers and going to the ocean. We eh, stayed maybe until yeah, about five o'clock. Like, let's go upstairs. I'm done. I'm done. It's too hot. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad you said, that. you know, everybody, we we're all being honest. Thank God. The weather was ridiculous, even for the beach. Uh, and, uh, and then they took me to the train. I took a 604 train from Long Branch all the way to New York. And then I walked from Penn Station to my house, even in that heat, because I was just happy to be home. Uh, I can't believe I got myself home from Atlantic City. You know, I mean, that in itself is a miracle. Ubering, I never do anything like that, but it was easy. And uh, I was able to take a sleep in the car a little bit. And I said to that guy, thanks for letting me rest. I'm sorry, I think the weekend got the best of me or something. And boy, it was really terrific. You know, then I just I think I went to bed at 1130 last night and slept until 1130 this morning because I was out of, you know, I was just like sleeping in strange place and not really sleeping and I needed to rest and then I was just kind of I had to get ready I got a new cleaning lady coming tomorrow so I went to bed bath and beyond and I wanted to do that before I did the podcast and I wanted to go when it was quiet at like two in the afternoon and I picked up all this stuff and then I was just hanging it because it's so hot I'm like oh I'll just play you know I just couldn't get it going even though I was excited to do the podcast and everything and I finally did the podcast and now we're doing an hour and 40 minutes so far so yeah how about that and then I knew I had to call, like, Rota to get the air conditioning, blah, 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 blah. Then life got real again, you know? But, I mean, what was better? I got a paycheck at every place we went. They're like, oh, we need to pay you. Sign this thing. And every place we got the checks at the individual places. So it's like I got paid, and then I won money. You know? I mean, what a dream come true for Dave Juskow, where stuff that, that never happens. You know, we got it, – it, it was just so beautiful. And uh, I don't know. I really want to stick doing stand-up comedy. I can't deny. Can I do it? Can I keep up with it? I really just don't know. Uh, I never have been able to in the past. But if I keep up with it, maybe I can open for my friends again. I don't think it'll be like this. Uh, these big prices. But maybe if she puts another show, she might let me host again. I mean, I did a good job. I think she was proud of me. But I hope she keeps me in mind, you know. That's the thing. Hey, hey, listen. What are you going to say, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking of something else. I guess I have to uh, end the show. These uh, two songs are in my head from all the James Bond movies, so I'm uh, bookending the... Where are you now? When the Moonraker is around. I don't know the lyrics. The Moonraker. <laughs> this this song was in my head all weekend. I don't because you know I I had a I had a James Bond. Um, I didn't watch it for three days. It was driving me crazy. So just all these songs were in my head all week. I mean, this is the worst. <laughs> Who has the uh, Moonraker theme in their head? Only an idiot, I tell you, an idiot. Well, again, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I don't know whether it was good or bad or... I was just telling it like it is, and hopefully... By me telling you what was happening, 
perhaps you felt as if you were with me along when you couldn't be if you couldn't travel that far to see me and Sarah Silverman perform at uh, a festive, festive places and having a festive good time. But the tour is over, and Dave Joskow will now go back to his privileged life. Nope, I'm doing Crimes and Misdemeanors. Definitely not privileged. But he's going back to his old existence, but looking forward to the August 5th birthday show at the Comedy Cellar, old school, the way we've been doing it up until these unbelievable events. And maybe things will go good by the end of the summer. As they have, it was a fun weekend and a fun week to have. And I hope everyone else had a fun week and has a great week as we go into the finality of July 2019. I'll see everybody next time on the Nightfly. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. <laughs>